1 Samuel chapter 22, verse 1. David therefore departed thence, and escaped to the cave of Adullam, and when his brethren and all his father's house heard it, they went down thither to him. He has escaped from Achish's palace, and now he's gone into one of the caves that I assume this is one of the caves that the Hebrews made in the past for protection and his family has gone to see him. Two, and everyone that was in distress, and everyone that was in debt, and everyone that was discontented, gathered themselves unto him, and he became captain over them, and there were with him about 400 men. David has become a rogue person in Saul's kingdom, and now he has his own rogue army of 400 men. And of course, it would be anybody who's discontent with the kingdom as it is, and they want to fall behind David. But David isn't usurping the throne, which is when you take the throne by force. This is very different because David never even attempts to take Saul's kingdom, but he has been anointed and appointed by God already to take it. But God hasn't made the day come yet when he would take it. Everybody seems to be figuring out that David is going to be the next king. They just don't know when or how, and neither does David. David does know that he's never going to battle against Saul and try to kill Saul and take the kingdom by force. He's going to wait on the Lord, which is the right thing to do. But in the meanwhile, he does have to protect himself because Saul has already tried to kill him more than once, and Saul is going to continue trying to kill him. What we'll see in these next few chapters is David is protecting himself with his own rogue army. However, he's never attacking the kingdom of Saul. 3. And David went thence to Mizpah of Moab, and he said unto the king of Moab, Let my father and my mother, I pray thee, come forth, and be with you, till I know what God will do for me. Now his family has joined him because their lives would also be in danger. Because normally if you kill somebody who you're afraid will take the crown, you would kill all of their family members as well, because any one of their family members could come back to haunt you by getting revenge. If Saul hates David, that means Saul is against his whole family. So his whole family needs some protection. And that's why he's asking the king of Moab to protect them. Now the king of Moab is a pagan, but he's also a cousin to the Israelites. Because Moab was the son of Lot, and Lot was the nephew of Abraham. So the Moabites are cousins, but they're pagans. 4. And he brought them before the king of Moab, and they dwelt with him all the while that David was in the stronghold. Now a stronghold is kind of like a fortress for protection. 5. And the prophet Gad said unto David, Abide not in the stronghold, depart and get thee into the land of Judah. Then David departed and came into the forest of Hereth. A prophet has told David to go back home into his homeland, which is Judah, because he's from the tribe of Judah. It would be brave for him to go back, but since God has told him through the prophet, he's obeying. 6. And Saul heard that David was discovered, and the men that were with him. Now Saul was sitting in Gibeah under the tamarisk tree in Ramah, with his spear in his hand, and all his servants were standing about him. He's in the country where Samuel lives. And that's probably because he's waiting for David and Samuel to return there so that he can kill David. And who knows, he might even be out to get Samuel. That spear represents his jealousy of David. And so he holds that spear whenever he really feels jealous because he wants David dead. 
7. And Saul said unto his servants that stood about him, Here now, ye Benjamites, will the son of Jesse give every one of you fields and vineyards? Will he make you all captains of thousands and captains of hundreds? Saul is telling his fellow Benjamites, because he's from the tribe of Benjamin, he's telling them, David can't give you anything. Therefore, you should continue to serve me, because I'm the one with all the money and the power. In a temporal sense, Saul is right. You would only have allegiance to the king who can pay you off. So Saul is saying, I'm the one with the resources, so I'm the one who you should protect. 8. That all of you have conspired against me, and there was none that disclosed it to me when my son made a league with the son of Jesse, and there is none of you that is sorry for me, or discloseth unto me, that my son hath stirred up my servant against me to lie in wait, as at this day. Now Saul is falsely accusing David of setting an ambush for him. It's actually the reverse. Saul is the one who's going to be setting the ambush for David over and over. It isn't going to be David trying to kill Saul. But he's accusing his brethren, the other Benjamites, of siding with Jonathan and David. 9. Then answered Doeg the Edomite, who was set over the servants of Saul, and said, I saw the son of Jesse coming to Nob, to Ahimelech, the son of Ahitub. In the previous chapter, it had told us that Doeg was there when David came to the high priest and got the showbread and got Goliath's sword. Now, because Doeg knows something and he wants to be loyal to Saul, he's telling Saul what he knows. But this could cost Ahimelech his life, you know, the high priest, because he helped David. 10. And he inquired of the Lord for him, and gave him victuals, and gave him the sword of Goliath the Philistine. 11. Then the king sent to call Ahimelech the priest, the son of Ahitub, and all his father's house, the priests that were in Nob, and they came, all of them, to the king. 12. And Saul said, Hear now, son of Ahitub. And he answered, Here I am, my lord. 13. And Saul said unto him, Why have ye conspired against me, thou and the son of Jesse, and that thou hast given him bread and a sword, and hast inquired of God for him, that he should rise against me, to lie in wait as at this day? Ahimelech never did inquire of the Lord for David. All he did was give David the showbread to eat, and Goliath's sword. 14. Then Ahimelech answered the king and said, And who among all thy servants is so trusted as David? Who is the king's son-in-law, and giveth heed unto thy bidding, and is honorable in thy house? Ahimelech said, I had no idea you wouldn't want me to help David, because he's your best servant. 15. Have I today begun to inquire of God for him? Far be it from me, let not the king impute anything unto his servant, nor to all the house of my father, for thy servant knoweth nothing of all this, less or more. Ahitub is correctly saying that he never did ask God any questions for David. He's saying, don't falsely accuse me. I didn't do that. 16. And the king said, thou shalt surely die, Ahimelech, thou and all thy father's house. He's killing the whole household to destroy their whole line. It puts shame on the family because their line won't continue. And also it keeps any family member from getting revenge against Saul. 17. And the king said unto the guard that stood about him, turn and slay the priests of the Lord, because their hand also is with David, and because they knew that he fled and did not disclose it to me. But the servants of the king would not put forth their hand to fall upon the priests of the Lord. Saul has told his men to kill this priest along with his family, and his men know that it would be a sin to do that, because the priest has done nothing wrong, and they won't kill him.
18. And the king said to Doeg, Turn now and fall upon the priests. And Doeg the Edomite turned, and he fell upon the priests, and he slew on that day fourscore and five persons that did wear a linen ephod. We'll have to remember Doeg's name because he is not a man of righteousness. He sold his soul to Saul's kingdom. He's a yes man. He'll do anything to serve Saul, whether it's right or wrong. He doesn't care. So we have to watch him carefully and see if he becomes a traitor to Saul later or if he remains faithful to Saul. Nevertheless, he is not a good man. He killed 85 priests that day. 19. And Nob, the city of the priests, smote he with the edge of the sword, both men and women, children and sucklings, and oxen and asses and sheep with the edge of the sword. They devoted the city of Nob, where this priest was from, but God never told them to devote the city. God only wants evil cities devoted, where they do pagan worship and pagan sacrifice. They've now devoted the city of a priest who was a righteous man. This is very evil. 20. And one of the sons of Ahimelech, the son of Ahitub, named Abiathar, escaped and fled after David. He was able to run away without being noticed. He ran to David's camp, knowing that that is the only person who's going to help keep him alive. 21. And Abiathar told David that Saul had slain the Lord's priests. 22. And David said unto Abiathar, I knew on that day when Doeg the Edomite was there that he would surely tell Saul, I have brought about the death of all the persons of thy father's house. David is telling Abiathar that it's David's fault, his own fault, that Abiathar's family is now dead, which means in the future, when David sets up his kingdom, I would expect David to somehow try to make this up to Abiathar try to give him a reward or something to compensate for his family being lost. So we'll have to remember the name of Abiathar as well. 23. Abide thou with me, fear not, for he that seeketh my life seeketh thy life, for with me thou shalt be in safeguard. David is promising to protect Abiathar, and that is the right thing to do. Neither of them can return to Saul, because Saul would kill both of them. Before I close this chapter, I just want to mention that David is a type of Jesus Christ. That doesn't mean that he's like Jesus. That is a literary terminology, and it means that his life represents in some ways or foreshadows the life of Christ to come. When we read about Joseph, we talked about all the ways that Joseph foreshadowed the Christ to come. And now, whenever we see something that David does that foreshadows the Christ to come, we will talk about that. For one thing, Jesus was harassed and hounded his entire ministry by the religious leaders. And you will see that in David's life and in his career as king, and even before he becomes king, he is harassed and hounded the entire time, both before and during his kingship. First, he gets harassed and hounded by Saul, who wants to kill him, just as Jesus was harassed and hounded by the religious leaders who wanted to kill him. And then when David becomes king, members of his own family will turn on him, and tribes in Israel will turn on him and set up a counter-kingdom, which we will see and read about. Another similarity we've already seen was that David was a shepherd by trade. Now, Jesus is the good shepherd. He is the one who leads us to green pastures and still waters and gives us peace. He's the one who lays down his life to protect us against the wolves, which are Satan and the demons. And he is the one who laid down his life on the cross to save us from our own sin so that we could be with him forever in heaven. Jesus is the ultimate 
good shepherd, but David was also a good shepherd in an earthly sense. Those are two ways so far that David represents Christ, but as we see other ways that he represents Christ, we'll talk about those in future chapters. And that concludes 1 Samuel chapter 22.